Well, look, thanks for joining me on this podcast of Meet the Leader. Last year, I got the chance to talk to 12 amazing characters that have come from all different walks of life to lead their communities. And I'm continuing to trumpet the work of leaders for the next year ahead. And brilliantly, I'm joined by Councillor Grace Williams, who is the leader of Waltham Forest in London and has been the leader since 2021. Grace, thank you for joining me. Hello, nice to be here. So, Grace, how did you tell me about how you got to be the leader of Waltham Forest? Education is a big issue, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is really funny when someone asks you that question because you're really aware that, you know, it wasn't part of the plan. So, after university, I worked as a civil servant. So, this was around the time that New Labour got going uh, with their agenda. So, I worked as a policy person and social researcher in all kinds of areas that are still really relevant, you know, child poverty, disability, uh, um, uh, the Department for Work and Pensions and Cabinet Office. And then I wanted to do something that was more real, that was more kind of connected to the problems we were trying to solve. You know, we were always trying to solve problems around welfare and poverty and children having enough opportunity. So I retrained as a, a secondary English teacher and I then taught in London schools for about five years before realising that if I wanted to have a family then actually contrary to lots of people's expectations teaching was the very worst career <laughs> to be in so you know I left I left teaching and then I by then I'd had my two very young children and I started for the first time not commuting to central London or to another part of London, but spending time in the local community. So, you know, local children's centre, lots of playgrounds, for example. And I then decided that it was really, really important to do something locally. And I was really lucky to get a job working with my local ward, which is called the William Morris Ward. It's very, I'm sure it's one of the best names for a ward in the country where, you know, we've got the William Morris Ward, William Morris Gallery right at the heart of. And my job was to work with local people to come up with a plan for how we could use some money from the lottery fund in our community. And it was such a fascinating role, you know, it involved sort of trying to talk to people on the street and get them to work um, with us on this plan and it also meant that I got to know uh, a bit more about local councillors so I didn't really know much about local councillors lots of people don't know what a councillor does um, and they may only contact a local councillor if they get really angry about something that isn't working you know a missed bin or something like that or something more serious that's gone wrong with them contacting a council service you know and it was then that I met a local councillor Geraldine Reardon just give her a, a name check and she had she was the member for culture she was the cabinet member for culture in Waltham Forest and she'd managed to persuade the then leader that instead of closing the William Morris Gallery we should renovate it and uh, get heritage lottery funding to completely changed that uh, gallery, um, which actually won Museum of the Year in 2012. So 2012 was a very important year for Waltham Forest. You know, we had 
the the gallery winning that prize we had the olympics and it was it was a time of feeling you know like our borough was changing but most importantly i started to realize what councillors did in our community and uh, had quite a few run-ins with Geraldine where I would bring problems to her and she'd say, well, you know, the council can't do everything and we need people to to work with us. And it was her that really got me involved in uh, local politics. And when I started doing that, I mean, for most ordinary people, local politics, any sort of politics is just completely unknown. But you, you know, you get to know what's happening fairly quickly. And I was amazed to sort of discover by running to be a local councillor just how many things a council does. Mm. So, so you know, most people's experience might be something quite transactional, you know, parking, bins, roads. But the sheer scale of the work we do for children and adults, for example, so... So it's sort of partly that. I mean, I've got to the stage now where if I see a local person in Tesco's and they say to me, congratulations for being leader, I don't say, oh, it happened by mistake, which is what it felt like at the time. Um, but it is also a massive privilege. You know, I, I worked um, as cabinet member for children and young people and saw us through a very uh, transformational offset inspection and worked with our local schools to do a project on improving life chances for young people. And it really, for me, is about that. It's like, how can we make sure that every young person, every child has opportunity in our borough? And obviously, you know, we'll probably talk about the challenges, but it's nice to be reminded of the reason why you are doing it. (laughs) And your story is fantastic. You know, if there hadn't been children in your life... And you had, mm. uh, had your focus moved from travelling into central London, but out to your community, the world of local government wouldn't been put in front of you. So we have your absolutely. Children. Well, we have your children. <laughs> okay, I will. I will thank them later. <laughs> <laughs> but it it is interesting, isn't it? That, and I think COVID had an interesting experience where we suddenly mm. were living in our communities more than we'd previously done because everyone was commuting and then stopped but when you started talking about the council how did your family and friends react because they they must have been quite mystified did you suddenly (laughs) discover you had friends whose parents had been councillors or was there history around you no not really so my parents have a really strong history of like public service so you know my mum she used to she was she worked in further education and then she was a prison inspector on education actually which was fascinating she had some fascinating stories to tell about famous prisoners she'd met in doing this role and um, you know my dad was similarly like me like a failed teacher who then went on to work he did work in Lucian council I think many years ago but then the voluntary sector so it's sort of in my bones you know I I just believe I've always really believed that we need a strong public sector and that the public sector is kind of the heart and the backbone of our country, you know, whether that's NHS or schools uh, or whether it's social workers and, and what they're doing in our community. So it is that real sort of public service ethos. So my family weren't really surprised. It, it wasn't so much a break with stuff, but, you know, it certainly was the thing that was quite difficult was to go from the position of being a kind of community activist from the outside Mm. to going into the town hall because I think that sometimes and we definitely have a very switched on 
activist mentality in Walthamstow and the rest of the borough. We have residents who, as you say, they spend a lot of time here. They know their community places and they want to be involved. They've got really high expectations as to the sort of council we are and, you know, how we do that role, which is how it should be. But sometimes it's quite hard, I think, for people on the outside to understand the sheer scope of the things that we are trying to achieve and that constant need for balance that we have. You know, the question that we always need to come back to is, is this delivering for most of our residents is is quite, you know, it's quite different from if you're an activist looking at one particular project and, and what that can achieve. So I think that was a big learning curve. But I came in and found a culture in Wolf and Forest Council, which was very open to change and very ambitious for the future. So you know, in a way, I think we can talk about having a power decade. So from 2010 to 2020, the sheer amount of uh, home building we did and the benefits that they had in terms of wider regeneration has just, you know, been absolutely amazing. And I think we're at that real point of reflection for what kind of council we are now. You know, you mentioned the pandemic and that was a massive change mm. for us because it showed how we could work with our community in a different way. I remember in the early days, my director of children's services saying to me well you know we're going to vulnerable children are still going into school and we'll have to support them to do that and it was a complete change how we could gear up to to do that so there is much more focus now on you know how can we provide the very best services for people in our local community who are battling some of the toughest challenges we've probably ever faced you know in society but you know, it's interesting you talk about the sort of the decade of great. Mm. And I, I absolutely see that. And, you know, your own offices are part of that achievement of reconfiguration and landscaping, the changing of your. Mm, absolutely. Um, exactly. The challenges coming on is, is the world in which you're now trying to operate, because it, it seems from conversations that I've had that the pressures are relentless on the local authorities and homelessness that you've done so much to eradicate through building more in Waltham as a, a, a whole new area of concern. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, the two important developments from 2010 to 2020 sort of for local authorities were, you know, the changing economic landscape and the fact that, you know, we were seeing sort of 40% cuts from central government and also for London I think this looked different outside London a real period of home building so you know the issue we have now so if you look at it from the challenges we've got you know we talked about homelessness where we've got we've got 10,000 people on our housing list or whether it's cost of living crisis which has become entrenched now and really I think cost of living crisis has probably become a misnomer and in, in our society in our community we're talking about poverty now that affects nearly 50 percent of families but you know the challenges are deep and at the moment we're at a period where the economy is weak so we can't rely only on growth as an engine for change and you're right you know we had um, opportunity um, changing our place and many of those are already programmed in and happening still so you know we've got Soho Theatre, where, you know, buildings almost complete and we've had really big um, areas where regeneration is transforming 
what we're doing. We also had a lot of success recently with levelling up and we were able to secure, you know, the, the highest amount of levelling up funding in London. So in a way, it's how you keep that going and how you sort of hold your nerve on doing things you need to address the housing crisis head on. You, you know, you can't let up because we've got economic circumstances that are different you know what we need to do is pick our projects so we've been really concerned with how we can up the amount of social rent housing so we've had our own housing delivery company 60 bricks and we've pushed hard with the support of the great london um, authority to really get that social rent rate up but i think the thing that is more difficult is the challenges that 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 are beyond that you know so beyond homelessness so you know climate cost of living and just a feeling I think in our community that opportunities are passing people by so for me that's the thing I'm most passionate about so you know Martin um, Eason who was our chief exec for that whole period you know working with some amazing leaders Clyde Lokes, Chris Robbins, Claire Coghill had that period of being able to set us up well and really good financial management as well. But now working with Lindsay Roberts Egan, who's our new chief exec, and who, who of course worked here before, we now have that real opportunity to change the kind of council we are to deliver those services um, for residents. And it's really, really exciting to be able to do that. And 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 create the framework for your next 10 years of success. But th- for the next 10 years, yeah, exactly. What when people the, the culture, in 2014, you walked into the council offices, and certainly when I was a councillor, the first time I walked into, the, walked into the council offices was when I got elected, and that had been the first time I'd ever had a reason to go into the council building. Uh, how long did it take you to sort of acclimatise to the role? And you're, you've got our family to look after, you've got everything else. I'm quite interested, was the council prepared to give you the support you needed? Because getting good people to go into local government is mm. one of the challenges. Do you, do you find yourself yeah. still having to break those barriers? Or did they say, Grace, this is what we can do for you? Because sometimes that's a barrier. Yeah. Involved, isn't it? yeah, it's a really good question. You know, we know, don't we, looking across the country, that if you're... A councillor, you're likely to be old, white, and a man, and that's still the case. And obviously, it's different in different parts of the country and exacerbated in different parts of the country. But, you know, we've seen an incredible change in that. So, you know, for me, coming in as a councillor, I found a group that was very receptive to change. They're very, very much like, let's, you know, let's treat each other as people, let's recognise we all have caring responsibilities. And we've worked quite hard to make it clear to our new candidates when they when they're interested. Yes, there's lots to do, there's lots of campaigning, but it's a really great team support. And I think it's looking at the structural things we can do. So, you know, we've worked quite hard to look at policies relating to inclusion and you know parental and you know maternity leave and also I think and I know it's an unfashionable thing to say but it's absolutely crucial is we need to pay our councillors well in terms of their allowances because if you don't the people you stop being councillors are the people that might come from more marginalised communities or single parents or those parents who are having to use it as their main income because they're working part-time so it is really important that 
um, as well as talking about how politicians can be better. We also have a system that supports that. And it's something that I'm really keyed on for staff and councillors. But I've certainly found that actually it's it's council it's it's the sort of best kept secret of councils is for councillors. It is a very flexible job. Yes, it involves evenings, yes, it involves weekends, yes, it is demanding. But you can do it in lots of different ways. It's not a kind of nine to five job. Um, It is more like a vocation. Um, And I think it's really important that we encourage councillors who who may not have thought about it. So I remember having doing an event with young people about politics and, you know, started off with quite a lot of information given about how Parliament worked and how the council worked. But from that cohort, we had a young woman who was actually really interested in becoming a councillor and who we supported to do that and is now a councillor. And we've got some very, I mean, you talked about the leader of Harlow and that's fantastic. We've got some really young councillors who we supported into the role and most of them can teach us a thing or two about (laughs) campaigning, messaging, social media and also understanding voices that you don't normally get in the town hall. So I think it's incredibly important to have that focus. I absolutely agree. And that's that's great that you're getting younger people in because that's actually quite a big challenge is younger people. Mm. So many other things going on in their lives. But one of the things that's always struck me about your council is you talked about your chief execs, past and present. I'm just amazed at the the quality and the brilliance of your officers. Uh, So how how much of that is in your head about the maintaining and attracting the best of the officers to deliver the program? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I think the key challenge that local government has alongside finance and sort of related to that is, you know, if we are going to be a great organisation who can deliver for residents, then it all relies on our staff. So, for example, we have a great number of people who who are homeless, who, who are in housing need. Now, when they go in and talk to a housing officer, let's be realistic, they're not in general going to be told, yes, here's a council flat, here you go, here's the keys. It is going to be a more nuanced conversation. You know, how can we help you sustain your tenancy? What are the options available? How can we help you boost your income? How can we help you boost your skills? And we to have those kinds of officers, we need to make sure that we have the right systems to support them. So even though we're looking really hard at our finances and making some really difficult decisions, one of the decisions we're making is to invest in organisational development. Because if you look at most of the problems that we have they're in services where we have a shortage of really good staff you know social workers housing officers occupational therapists and it's it's in those careers that we really really need to invest to recruit people and you know retain those people so we've done a lot of staff engagement over the last year to understand where our staff feel valued what else we can do and actually, for me, you know, because we're launching Mission Wolf and Forest, which is a, a look at everything we do as an organisation, our staff will be producing that with us because it's about asking how can we create an organisation where staff can serve our residents and feel really supported. But 
I do think that staff, we have an incredible number of staff that live in the borough. And I think the reason we have that is that we do have a lot of ambition around what we're trying to achieve, you know, whether that's to be in the borough of culture or our agenda on climate and active travel. And people can see that and they want to be part of it. So it's kind of how you can get buy-in from staff and councillors emotionally as well as rationally, if that makes sense, or materially. It needs to be more than that. How long did it take you to become confident and authoritative in the way that you are now? In be- I mean, because it's a real <laughs> transformation, isn't it? Where well, it's nice of you to say that, but well, you, do, you, <laughs> you know, don't we all wake up every day and like start from scratch? Really, yeah. you know, you know, I I do really believe that the best leaders and the leaders that I find inspirational are those that except that you know they're working with others to do things and that they're always learning and that's what I try and do every day and I guess the the authority comes from you know I know that we've got the right team of people and we're doing the right thing so it it, so it comes from working with others and feeling like you know really is it's very simple in that I want to make sure things change for the better for people that live here. And that's my number one thing. And I think that if you can stay focused on that beyond, as you said, the massive pressures, it helps you to make the right decisions. Do you know, Grace, we could talk and talk talk (laughs) for hours. What is brilliant is I think that you have started my year off with another perfect example of an amazing personality who's found themselves in local government and gives up more time than we probably deserve of you. So I hope that you're... Thank you. And, and thank you for sharing your thoughts, because I think the, the, the last few comments were just fantastic. Leadership is about having confidence about the people around you and giving them the opportunity. And I think that's uh, exactly what I see in Waltham Forest whenever I deal with your officers and your colleagues. So thank you for joining me on Meet the League. Thank you. It's been an absolutely fascinating conversation. It's massively appreciated. You're welcome and thank you. (laughs) 